As iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens another. Welcome to Brothers in Arms, brought to you by Catholic Men for Jesus Christ, with your hosts, George Rose and Bill Maher. Stay tuned as George, Bill, and their guests discuss topics relevant to Catholic men living out their faith in today's challenging world. And now, here are the hosts of Brothers in Arms, George Rose and Bill Maher. Good evening, my brothers in arms. This is your co-host of Brothers in Arms, George Rose, and I am here tonight with a very special co-host, the inimitable, indefatigable Gerard Ford, also known as Jez. Gerard. Jez, yeah. yeah, Not Bill, Jez, but I'm going to do the best (laughs) that I can to be as billish as I can be. <laughs> be billish. Bill, Bill is actually uh, on a business trip in Pittsburgh, um, so he could not be with us uh, today. Uh, but maybe he'll be listening on, on the car ride back. Let's hope. So let's say nice things about him. Yeah, don't talk bad about him. Nope. Never, <laughs> I, ne- I would never do that, Bill. You better be listening. <laughs> yes. So uh, we're really uh, glad to be here and, and talking with you guys on this uh, 2nd of October. And uh, there, is a, there is a nip of fall in the air, isn't there, Jez? Yeah. It's a, it's a, you know, as you get older, I suppose, uh, for me, all I think of is leaves, leaf cleanup, leaf cleanup, leaf cleanup. Oh, so. you can't imagine how brutal it is at my house. Actually, you probably can because you have uh, a lot of trees on your property, tree, yeah. too. Yeah. Yep. yep. Seasons are important. Yes. Moving on, trudging through. There's a time for everything. <laughs> <laughs> Death and life. Yes. And, and, and the most significant event uh, for me in the past week, well, one of the most significant events, I should say, is that the Yankees advanced out of the wild card round of the playoffs. Wow. You probably are not even aware no of that, idea. are you? <laughs> no, yep. it's terrible. Yep. <laughs> I'm glad, though. Maybe I'll start watching. Yeah, yes. I, yeah, so- <laughs> soccer season has started uh, for us. So I'm a big Manchester United fan, but. Yeah. yeah. Well, go, go Yankees. <laughs> yes, thank you. <laughs> that sounds funny coming from a Brit. Go Yankees. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I said it with gritted teeth. <laughs> <laughs> yes. And um, uh, it was interesting because the, the first game was on um, uh, Tuesday night. Was it Tuesday? I think it was Tuesday. It was also the first night of the debate. So I was running back and forth between watching the Yankees and watching the presidential debate. It was a difficult choice. Yeah, well. Two slug matches, I presume. Two slug fests. One definitely was. I was watching the the debate. Yeah, actually, the Yankee game was a huge blowout that night. They won twelve to three, I think. The next night, it was more of a slug fest. They Uh, uh, they won nine to eight, getting they took the lead in the top of the ninth, and it went back and forth uh, many times during the game. What are the viewing ratings? Are they are they up or? For the playoffs, uh, I'm not sure to be honest with you. I know the uh, the ratings during the season were down a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, they they were up a lot initially, but then down a bit. But um, you know, there's so many different ways to watch these days, and uh, it's it's hard to to know that the TV ratings are really accurate to how many people are watching because you have all kinds of access on the you know MLB TV on the internet and different ways to right. to watch. So. Yeah, crazy times. Yes, and today, October second, is the uh, it's the memorial of the Holy Guardian Angels. So this is usually our segment where we do the saint of the month. Uh, but we are doing, I guess, well, are angels considered saints? 
I guess they are the because holy, we have yeah. Saint Gabriel, Saint yeah. Saint Michael the yeah. Archangel, and and their feast, the Archangel feast, was a couple of days ago, right? On yeah, September twenty. We are in like this is one of the greatest weeks in the Catholic Church when you think about. We had Therese and Francis, so yes, yeah, today guardian angels. It's a smorgasbord of um, feast days uh, this week, and. Uh, so today is the official observance of it, and the devotion to the angels is it's an ancient tradition that we inherited from Judaism, believe it or not, as many of our traditions are. Uh, and it was first kept by the Franciscan order in 1500, which I'm sure is near and dear to your heart, Jez. It used to be a, a Franciscan it doesn't friar. doesn't surprise me. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and it was placed in the general Roman calendar in 1607 by Pope Paul V. Um so, guardian angels, what does that mean? Angels are servants and messengers from God, right? And, and uh, the word angel in Greek means messenger. So we see that all the time in the Bible, uh, right? Uh, with Gabriel giving a message to the Blessed Mother that she was going to bear uh, the Messiah. Um, and the concept of guardian angels uh, is, uh, you know, it's, it's accepted uh, by the church and is a truth of our faith. You know, from in the liturgy today, it says, quote from Matthew, a verse from Matthew, quote unquote, see that you do not despise one of these little ones, for I say to you that their angels in heaven always look upon the face of my heavenly Father. Uh, and Jesus says that. So he acknowledges the existence uh, of the angels uh, always looking, you know, for, for the children. And obviously they don't leave us as we get older and become adults. That wouldn't make sense. Um, and then the Catechism of the Catholic Church states that, uh, you know, in, in Section 328, the existence of the spiritual non-corporeal beings that sacred scripture usually calls angels is a truth of faith. And a little later on, it says, beside each believer stands an angel as protector and shepherd leading him to life. So <clears throat> the concept that each one of us has a guardian angel that stands near us is a long-established uh, tradition and truth of our faith. And, uh, <clears throat> um, Jez, yeah, yeah. as far as uh, guardian angels go, um, I think you said you had yeah. a little reading from uh, the office this morning, the Liturgy of the Hours, yeah, on, I, about I just guardian angels. Really, it's really important that in terms of uh, guardian angels we often think as, as personal to us. I think the first appearance in Fatima, and I might be mistaken, mm. was the, the angel of Fatima. Right. So sometimes the guardianship can be uh, a place as well. Who gave as, the children uh, the Eucharist, right? They yeah. received communion from that angel. Yeah. Um, and as kids, like even as a, as a granddad, a fairly recent grandfather, <laughs> um, I recognize uh, the importance of uh, instilling that, that idea. I listened to Tori and Tim teach Vera, the guardian angel prayers, uh, mm -hmm. angel of God, my guardian dear. Um, Great prayer. Yeah. So uh, I, the idea that we, we, we're given a, a guardianship from an early age, that everybody has almost like a unique connection. In today's um, Liturgy of the Hours, St. Bernard, as you would say, St. Bernard. St. Bernard of Clairvaux. Uh, states, uh, really the same, that, that, that God has given his angels charge over us to guard us in all of our ways. Uh, and then later goes on to explain, um, uh, can, I, can I just quote this straight from the book? Please do. It says, even though we are children and have a long and very 
have a long, a very long and dangerous way to go. Such protectors, with such protectors, what have we to fear? They who keep us in all our ways cannot be overpowered or led astray, much less lead us astray. They are loyal, prudent and powerful. Why then are we afraid? We have only to follow them, stay close to them, and we shall dwell under the protection of God's heaven. That's the role of the angel. So good words for yeah, that's amazing. Times. Yeah, that's great. Um, it's why I love having you know a feast day like this, a memorial, because it reminds us. You know, I, I don't, I'm not in contact with my guardian angel as much as I should be. I just forget. You know. Yeah, I, I think a lot <laughs> of us do. It's yeah. probably important that that we mm. we um, get into the habit, like anything else. We have to kind of discipline ourselves to uh, recognize the presence always in the car, out of the car, at work, with our family. You know, what a, what a great gift to have uh, um, an advocate like that 24-7. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, it was um, such a devotion to the guardian angels by many of the popes as well. You know, Pope Pius XII had a great devotion. He wrote about, um, you know, in one of his encyclicals uh, about uh, in 1950, about the guardian angels, John the Twenty Third, um, and what you just said, you know, you know, John the Twenty Third uh, used to like to tell everyone about guardian angels, especially parents. And he said parents should teach their children that they're never alone, that they have an angel at their side, and show them how to have a trusting conversation uh, with this angel. Uh, which I'm glad to hear that your uh, granddaughter uh, Tori and her husband Tim are doing that. That's awesome. Yeah, very important. <clears throat> and John the Twenty Third, it said that um, when they would have a crowd of pilgrims and tourists at St. Peter's Square on a Sunday, um, and he would come out to say the Angelus, and and they would receive the Pope's blessing. He would look out at the the, the crowd and imagine to himself all of the invisible guardian angels also present in the same square, basically doubled the presence mm. uh, in the in the square, yeah. which I thought was really interesting. And actually, as I'm looking at you right now, Jez. I'm not surprised, George. <laughs> <laughs> is, there, is there more than one? <laughs> Over your shoulder. Yes, you need you need more than one. You need a lot more help than the average bear. <laughs> <laughs> That's for sure. Well, I probably have 10. <laughs> if you look in the catechism as well, St. Basil, again, St. Basil, I'm going to try mm. and keep my American names going. Uh, uh, tells us that besides each believer stands an angel. An angel is protector and shepherd leading him or her to life. That's at the CCC 336. The recognition that in a time where we think about numbers, it's just another reminder that we belong to a threefold church, right? Mm. Uh, that the triumphant church and the church uh, purgative, the church militant, um, the, the two-thirds of the church are unseen. So, mm. And the angels are part of that. They stand around the throne of God, mm. uh, as we see in Revelation, saying, holy, holy, holy. It's the mm. perpetual um, uh, uh, reason for being is to praise and worship God and to, to, to be in his presence. Which we sing in unison with them at every Mass, right? Yeah, every Mass, every moment of every day, actually. Because right now there's a priest somewhere raising that, that blessed sacrament. We get when we start thinking outside space and time, mm. then uh, that angelic presence is is over overwhelming. It's overpowering. It's no wonder they start every conversation with "Don't be afraid." Mm. <laughs> I don't, you can't think of them as little pixies, like little Walt Disney type of pixies. These things are they're uh, powerful. Yeah, yeah. Think about the shepherds at the the first uh, uh, the, the first nativity. 
it's, a, it's an angel that appears to them in, in heaven that don't be afraid yeah singing glory to god in the highest yeah it's overwhelming to think about how many um as you said, the church militant, how many angels there actually are out there helping us and guiding us and protecting us. And we just need to, to reach out to them um, and, and ask for their help. And, and it comes even, you know, in, in special ways, um, you know, and, and some couple things I was reading as well, and then we'll, uh, we'll, we'll wind it up, is, um, you know, is, is the influence we can have on our, our children, you know, like a, a, like a mother or father cannot always directly influence a son or a daughter whose faith uh, of moral conduct is at risk. But at any time of the day or night, you can use the invisible communication network of the guardian angels to mm-hmm. help your, your children. Uh, and an angel mobilized by his mother or father can suddenly remind a young man of some resolution or promise. And this reminder can be of decisive importance. Uh, you know, sometimes it takes very little to in influence an indecisive will like that. Sure. So we that's can... a habit. Actually, again, to ch- jump on the English thing, when you're praying for family, I pray for family three thousand miles away in a different time zone. Uh, a habit of mine has been to ask the Lord to send mm. um, the angels or to to have my guardian angel talk to their guardian angels just to mm. protect. Sometimes I'll look at my watch and I'll realize that. Family members are asleep; they're in bed. It's easy to ask the guardian angel to, to just protect uh, yeah. um, whoever it is that you're praying for. So, yeah, yep, super. It's a super important prayer. Yeah, that's great. I needed to use that with my son this morning. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he's a uh, he's he's a grump in the morning. Sometimes he's not a good morning person. Yeah. So we had a little uh, we we butted heads a little bit. <laughs> so uh, on the way out. The way over here today, I was, I was praying for him, uh, for his, my guardian angel to go uh, communicate with his. Yeah, that's a good, that's definitely a good way. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, well, I think uh, we're kind of at the end of this uh, segment. So uh, we will take a break and we will be back in two minutes. It started like it does for many people, question my faith and question authority. And I feel that the reason why I left was the the draw of the world. The world was pulling me away. Some people would say, you know, Satan would, you know, Satan was working on me. He did not want me in church. He wanted me to be desperate. He wanted me to have the thoughts of suicide. I started to realize that a lot of the things that I experienced in my life were a result of my rebellion against God and against authority. Coming back to the church is the first step in healing from all of the hurts of the world. I went from being desperate and in despair to finding hope and encouragement for for the future. I'm on God's team. I, I know who I belong to and I know where I'm going and there's nothing that can separate me from God's love. Take another look at the Catholic Church. Visit catholicscomehome.org today. We asked people all over America, what have you done for your marriage today? Boy, I gave a huge hug this morning, like a really big squeeze that lasted forever. Great kiss. Those things are really important. (laughs) She got a really short hair that she hated, and I wrote her a note and put it up on the mirror saying that she was a cute girl with cute hair. What have I done for my marriage today? We've actually organized a date night tonight. What have I done for my marriage today? Wow, that is a great question. Uh, I took the baby while she worked. I got up with the baby while he slept. Yeah. (laughs) Today, I sent an email to my husband 
And I said, you rock. Well, I've done today what I usually do, and that is obey. I listened to my wife uh, when we talked on the telephone today. She really likes it when I listen. What have you done for your marriage today? Little things can make a big difference. For ideas, go to foryourmarriage.org. A message from the Catholic Communication Campaign. Well, welcome back, my brothers, on this fine uh, Friday evening uh, as you're driving home. Well, maybe you're not driving home from work these days. I don't know. With the uh, pandemic, people working from home a lot. But Locked in the basement, probably. Locked in the basement? <laughs> <laughs> I think that's you, right? You're locked in the basement a lot, Jess. I've been in the basement quite a lot. I've got three, three different offices all in basements. So. You prefer it down there. It's where I belong. Yeah, you're a cellar dweller. <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of like you're in the catacombs. <laughs> That's right. That's the way I look at it. <laughs> so uh, well, welcome back, guys. And uh, this is our segment where we talk about uh, topics of the month. And, and actually, I, I would be remiss if I didn't first mention that uh, we, we have bought out, Catholic Men for Jesus Christ has bought out uh, a theater uh, for tomorrow night, Saturday, uh, at AMC Freehold at 7 p.m., for a uh, screening of the movie Infidel, uh, Jim Caviezel's new movie. Uh, I saw it a couple weeks ago, and um, we want to support the uh, the movie, and Jim Caviezel, has been a, he's been a good friend to Catholic Men for Jesus Christ. And uh, uh, so you should have seen an email in your uh, inbox. I think yesterday we started sending them out. So, you know, the, the theaters are limited capacity, I think 25% of normal capacity. So uh, if you want to go, Sign up, get your ticket tomorrow, because I think it's going to probably sell out pretty quick. Uh, you get that from the website? Uh, well, it's in the emails. I don't, I don't know if we have a link on the website. We may not, but it went out to all the, on the email blast to, I think, all 1,600 people that we have. So, just, And it's safe, right? I've not been to the cinema for a while myself, so everybody, I, no, no need to be afraid or worry about uh, uh, distance and et cetera. How do they do that in the cinema? Uh, well, I went a couple weeks ago to the movies and uh, with – my wife and my son and a couple friends of ours. And uh, they, when you buy the tickets, they block out all the seats around you. So there's like, uh, hmm. you know, the, the row in front, the row behind, and then the seats on either side. So if you go with a group of like five people, you'll just be, there won't be anybody sitting next to you. You'll it's be like separate. Kind of like church. Yeah. yeah. It's like every other row or, you know, something like that. So, um, so it's pretty safe, but if you're uncomfortable, you know, wait till it comes out and on demand. It's a great movie though. Really good. Yeah. It looks good. Yeah, we uh, we enjoyed it. It's it's a political action thriller, is what it's called. Um, and uh, Dinesh D'Souza. Dinesh D'Souza. It was his first um, feature film that he produced. He's done you know a number of documentaries, uh, but uh, the first feature film, and and it's good. It's really good, actually. The review, like the conversation we had afterwards, um, was that. You know, and I hate to say this, but I don't mind it. Uh, but some people feel that Christian movies can be very sappy, mm. <laughs> and they can be. But personally, I don't usually mind that. I kind of like sappy movies for whatever reason. But um, you know, my wife doesn't, and other people don't. But this was not sappy at all. There's like some really. Uh, it's very real. Uh, <laughs> George, I'm sorry. <laughs> I, I, I was really trying not to say anything, but I just have a memory of. Um, of uh, when we were in Florida together, mm -hmm. and we all decided to watch a particular movie. I won't mention it, um, <laughs> but, it but it was a little sappy. <laughs> and there was like twelve people in that room, and eleven of the eleven of them crashed out, fell asleep. It was a quarter of the way through. You watched. You were awake, wide awake. Watched the whole thing and loved it. Oh, I think that was uh, 
They might be giants. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't want to mention it. <laughs> it's that, okay. That was the movie. It was. Great movie. Tough, tough to watch. <laughs> I thought it was a great movie. A great, great movie. Although that was probably close to 20 years ago at this point, 15 at least. I don't think a lot's changed. Yeah. Well, <laughs> I may have. Yeah. I don't know if I would still enjoy it or not. We'll see. But, but this isn't that. Yeah, exactly. This isn't that. No, it's not at all. It's, uh, you know, a lot of action. Um, and, uh, you know, Jim Caviezel's a Christian blogger who gets called to the Middle East uh, to be interviewed on a. Um, uh, a Middle Eastern talk show, and mm. he makes a statement about it. He gets the the um, host of the show makes some statements about Jesus and Christianity that he just couldn't let slide by, and he had to tell you know uh, the host who he Jesus really was mm. to him, and um, don't and give, that don't give too much away. Yeah, you. yeah, no, I won't, and and that creates a. Uh, a very interesting situation for for Jim in the Middle East. Even if you watch the trailer, you'll see it. That's but he a, gets. It's a nice little. I don't know. They'd probably call that something. It's, it's a tease. All right, I've I teased enough. D'Souza did say he was asked um, on some network why he made the movie, and he said it because it wasn't ever going to be made in mm. Hollywood. This was an important uh, message that he wanted to put out there. So it tackles some very difficult topics, mm. um, and the relationship with Jim Caviezel and his wife is very interesting. Mm. Uh, and very real, I think, for a lot of people. Um, and uh, you know, she's not a she's not a woman. She's not a believer. There was something that happened that that caused her faith to uh, uh, go by the wayside. So, at the risk of yeah, let's just giving the whole ahead. story just away. Exactly. Go see the movie tomorrow night, it. 7 p.m. AMC Freehold. Uh, if you can't make it tomorrow night, just go see it and support it because we like to support these kind of movies. Um, you, you know, and the movie makers that and make them and the actors that act in them because they need our support. Yeah. So, um, Jez. Yes. Topics of the week. Topics of the week. I think what, what one of the most fascinating, most uh, uh, top of mind topics for me uh, that I can't stop thinking about is the appointment uh, by President Trump, uh, who, by the way, uh, he and his wife, uh, were announced to have COVID-19, he and Melania today, that they have COVID-19. So let's all remember both of them in prayer yeah. uh, for their quick recovery and for any elected officials, anybody who has COVID-19. But um, a month before the election, it's unbelievable timing uh, that something like that would happen. But let's uh, talk a bit, little bit about Amy Coney Barrett uh, and her appointment to the Supreme Court by President Trump. Um she is obviously, as is her, everybody's heard, you know, the conservatives love her and uh, liberals don't. <laughs> and one of the big controversies with her uh, is her uh, connection with the people of praise, which is a charismatic uh, covenant community. And I think there's a lot of misunderstanding about uh, the people of praise and, and who and what they are, even amongst Catholics. You know, it was founded by Catholics in 1971 in South Bend, Indiana. And, you know, it, it's a charismatic Christian community. It's not strictly just Catholic. It welcomes uh, many other faiths, Lutherans, Methodists, Episcopalians, Presbyterians, Baptists, Pentecostals, and other denominational and non-denominational Christians. And I'm reading this from their their website. It talks about uh, who they are. And um, basically, People of Praise members uh, you know, they say they have experienced the blessing of the baptism in the Holy Spirit and the charismatic gifts as described in the New Testament. 
and they say this is a source of great joy for them, an important aspect of what God is doing in the world today. And, you know, how, what do they do? What, what does the people of praise actually do? And, um, you know, they, they, they serve, really, from what I see. One, one it's, it's, a, it's a lifelong promise. When you're in a covenant community like that, it's a, basically a, a promise of, to be of love and service to fellow community members and to the world at large. Um, yeah, and I think that's discerned over a period of time, a fairly lengthy period of time. It's not, it almost sounds cultish, doesn't it, to say a lifelong promise that you come in and sign on the dotted line. And, yeah. Uh, but this, this does involve some fairly intensive discernment uh, and prayer. And usually it's a, a familial um, thing. So the whole, the whole family are praying, father, mother, children. Mm. Um, but like you, I'm, 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 uh, I'm kind of uh, playing catch up, as I'm sure many people are. People of praise um, probably are getting more hits on that website than they've ever had in their entire I, I know they did from me the last night <laughs> as yeah. I was doing some research on them. And um, they're really, from what I, I, I know, it's, it's a wonderful community and everything I've heard about the people of praise is uh, amazing. You know, we have some Covenant communities here in New Jersey as well. The People of Hope, which is up in North Jersey, yep. um, Father, very well known, Father Jeff Kegley uh, established the Mother of God community out on the Jersey Shore. Another group of great people who are committed to each other and to their faith. And uh, the People of Praise is really it's if you look around, it's been around since 1971, so for a while. I mean, they're coming up on their 50th anniversary next year, right? Yep. In 2021. Yep. And they have uh, uh, communities in 22 cities across the U.S., Canada, and the Caribbean. And I went and looked on the website last night. You know, a bunch of states in the U.S. You know, they went Mobile, Alabama, Colorado Springs, Colorado, Tampa, Florida, uh, Granada. Mm. Isn't that British Granada? I believe so. Yeah, I don't, Mar- I, I, I don't know. It's been it's been a while, Georgie. Yeah, I don't know if it, I, well. I remember Margaret Thatcher sent warships there, right, to no, uh, defend that was it. The Falkland oh my bad, yeah. sorry. <laughs> I think they're near We're each just other such though. Such a small country to you. <laughs> but they have uh, many communities around the world, and of course, Amy Coney Barrett grew up in uh, Louisiana, and I believe her family, you know, her parents, and and mm. were part I, of part of. Uh, I'm desperately trying praise. to look for a. Uh, an article that I read from her, I think EWTN put it out, mm-hmm. on a dad um, uh, uh, who's a deacon of the church. And he, because he, he explained uh, in his testimony um, uh, where his faith came from initially. Mm-hmm. A very difficult background. He lost his mother mm. when he was 17 years old. And that initially, coming back from college from, and finding his mother dead, as it said in the article, mm. um, uh, left him angry mm. and grieving, angry at God, actually, and grieving. And uh, it was a confrontation with the Scriptures, with the Lord through the Scriptures, that um, uh, had him battling the idea that God gives and God takes away. Mm. Um, he you know, he kind of leaned into Scripture as far as Job is concerned, and it took away the anger. It, they're his words. It just took away his anger and allowed him to grieve. And ask serious questions like, what is life all about? What is the purpose of our existence? Mm. Which eventually leads him to uh, the people of praise and to a very committed uh, life, um, discerned religious life, and um, eventually got married. But the, it, the, the pull to the people of praise was um, born out of 
a community that replicates the, the earliest first uh, Christian community where uh, in the Acts of the Apostles where we come together with one heart and one mind to share things, uh, all things, uh, for the glory of God and for the good of our brother and sister. And that's what it's really born out in its most simplistic form. Hmm. Wow, that's really well said, Jez, and uh, thanks for the background on, on her dad. Um, you know, and, and, and this people of praise, like, they, they, they are really living out uh, their vocation as Catholics, whatever that may be. They send out missionaries to poor areas um, that don't have hope, and they will buy homes in that area, and the missionaries will they'll, they'll rehab a home on a corner of a street or a couple homes next to each other and move in and basically— be of service, and typically these are poor communities, uh, and they'll be of service to the people that live around them, and, and create, you know, a vibrancy uh, that wasn't there before. You know, people care about them. Um, they've also established schools uh, called the Trinity Schools, and they have uh, elementary schools and high schools. Which, if I had to guess, uh, Amy Barrett attended those schools, and I know that I saw that she was on the board of trustees for the Trinity Schools. Mm. And uh, it's basically classical Catholic education, you know. And I heard a professor from Notre Dame who is a liberal uh, wrote an article about this. And, and I, 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 he said, you know, well, one, he said Amy Barrett is one of the finest people uh, that he's ever uh, met. And um, that he's had a lot of students in his classroom at Notre Dame uh, from the people of praise. And he said they're incredibly diligent, some of the best students he has, very diligent, critical thinkers, uh, very responsive, and 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 um, you know, he said they're they're not there's nothing unusual you know about them um, unusual perhaps in the fact that they're uh, excellent students. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So there's a lot of great fruit that comes out of the people of praise, obviously, um, and I think they're affiliated. They have an affiliation the schools with uh, the Wilberforce School, right. which is a Christian school in Princeton uh, that uh, has a classical uh, Christian curriculum. So. There's many good things, and actually, I wouldn't be surprised if her, you know, I assume she's going to get uh, approved uh, onto the Supreme Court, and I wouldn't be surprised if her witness uh, inspires a lot of people to take a look at the people of praise and maybe think about joining. Yeah, absolutely. I think uh, or it's already happened. Just the uh, idea of, like, what's her background? People are trying to find out a little bit more about her. They go, um, you know, naturally to... People of praise. Uh, I mean, certainly the, the the mainstream media are all over it. So much so that I think affiliations have had to be taken off the website just for uh, standard uh, protection. But <clears throat> I definitely would look at this, and I think everything should point to the fact that, especially in these times, in our own parish community, our own parish life, I think we're constantly being called to uh, to live out our faith in a more communal way and support one another. Um, because uh, it, it ultimately it keeps it keeps coming back to the fact that we're called by God to to be faithful to Him, to glorify Him, to love Him, and to love our neighbor, and everything is built upon that. The people mm. of praise definitely seem to be um, focused on that area, as should we. Uh, and it all links back to the guardian angels at the beginning of the segment, at the beginning of the of the show, mm. um, all coming together as family, as church, um, to glorify Him and to love one another. So, yeah, look into it, peopleofpraise.org. Um, yeah, and, and, and let's pray for her in this process that she's going to be going through because she's going to be, uh, you know, attacked. 
Oh, my gosh, yeah, and a family too, basically. Yeah, for their Catholic faith, basically. You know, we all heard about what Senator Feinstein said, you know, the dogma lives loudly within you. Well, shouldn't it? Yeah, I mean, doesn't everybody (laughs) want to hear that? Yes. Really. (laughs) And we don't want to see, I think, what happened to uh, the last nominee uh, happen, anything like that happened to her. Yeah. uh, As far as, um, you know, hounding is concerned. So, yeah, let's pray for the whole process, for peace and for protection. Uh, from those guardian angels for her and her family, uh, for all the kids. Yeah. And the one last thing I would say about her, what I, I've read, is that other um, people from Notre Dame um, who may not necessarily have the same politi- you know, uh, ideology as she does, like you know, as conservative versus liberal, but they all said that she is always the smartest person in the room mm. and the most humble. Yeah. Uh, and that combination, I think, is going to serve her really well to get through um, this process that's coming up. So... As you said, let's uh, let's all pray for her yeah. and uh, send our guardian angels to commune with her guardian angel and ask for protection uh, around her. Absolutely. So, uh, wow, I think we've finished this segment. We have many other things to talk about, but flying we got— Flying today. Yeah, we are flying. This goes fast, doesn't yeah, it, Jez? It absolutely, it is. It goes faster than you think. Um, How's my billishness doing? You're very billish, really? I would say. Yes. Yes, you are. <laughs> well— like uh, like Amy, you are the smartest and most humble person in this room, other than myself and Jim. <laughs> <laughs> well, on that note, we will take our, our quick break, and we will be back, and we have a great guest coming up uh, from the Institute on Religious Life, and we'll be back in two minutes with him. This is Monsignor John Kozar, National Director of the Pontifical Mission Societies in the United States. A few years ago, I was blessed to be in East Timor during Holy Week. For decades, war and famine filled everyday life for the people that lived there. And yet, those I met reflected only the hope and joy of Easter. They would walk for miles in blazing sun to celebrate their faith in the risen Jesus, a faith so many had witnessed to with their own blood. That Holy Week in East Timor helped me value even more the gift of my faith and urged me to witness always the joy of the resurrection. It's a lesson from the missions. Brought to you by the Pontifical Mission Societies. To learn more about becoming a missionary right where you are, visit our website at onefamilyandmission.org. Remember, if you're baptized, you're a missionary. Through prayer and sacrifice, in word and witness, we're all part of this one family in mission. Here is Mother Angelica speaking about Catholic Radio. There's six billion people, and we've got to reach them all. It's people like you, radio stations like your own. And I hope sincerely that people will support you because we need Catholic Radio. We need Catholic television. And if we don't have it, we shall answer to God for that because we are bound by our baptism to spread the good word. We're bound by that. Won't you help us spread the good word by praying for us and by making a tax-deductible gift payable to Domestic Church Media, P.O. Box 7509, Trenton, 08628, or by going to our website, wfjs.org, and making a secure online donation using your Visa or MasterCard. Please contact us today. God love you. We need Catholic Radio. We are bound by our baptism to spread the good word. Well, welcome back to the show, my brothers in arms. Um, This is George Rose, uh, your co-host with 
Jez Ford, uh, our guest co-host for uh, for tonight's show. And we have a, a great guest uh, who just joined us, uh, Jeff Carls, who is with the Institute uh, of Religious or, or the Institute of Religious Life. And Jeff, welcome to the show this evening. Well, thank you. I'm delighted, delighted to be with you. Hey, Jeff. I'm Jez. So just so you get used to that English accent on the side. Oh, hello, Jez. Nice to meet you. <laughs> you, you too. Yes, he makes everything sounds better when it comes from Jez's mouth. <laughs> oh, oh, good, good. Well, I, I'll need that help. Thank you. <laughs> yes. Sometimes I wish I could I could speak as eloquently as him. <laughs> so, Jeff, you were recommended uh, to us by by a good friend, uh, Trent Beatty, who uh, is you know this show, Brothers in Arms, is is sponsored by Catholic Men for Jesus Christ, and we we have a um, a big men's conference every year uh, for over 20 years we've been doing it. And, uh, and and Trent Beatty writes for the National Catholic Register, and uh, he did a, an article uh, about you, I think, back in, in June or July. And um, I read the article. It's great. You have, like, quite quite an interesting background. First off, you have 10 kids, right? That's correct. <laughs> wow. <laughs> and. Yep. I, I did read that you were b- before you got married. You were discerning a uh, vocation to the priesthood. So that's that's quite a um, the opposite end of the spectrum to go from uh, <laughs> being a priest to getting married and having ten children, isn't it? It it certainly is. It's been quite the journey um, from feeling that call uh, and discerning that call to the priesthood. In my early thirties, um, I was already grounded in work that I loved uh, in the hospitality industry. Uh, I owned my own restaurant at one point and then ventured into working for a larger hotel corporation. Um, and somehow the, the, the inspiration to discern the priesthood just kept gnawing at me um, so much so that I, I just couldn't let it go. Um, and so I did pursue it. I left everything, um, you know, my native home in Wisconsin, and uh, ventured on out to New Hampshire, where I went to a very small private Catholic liberal arts school um, and got my uh, degree in liberal liberal arts. And, um, you know, the funny thing about it is that I grew so deep in my prayer during that discernment process spending a lot of time in front of the Blessed Sacrament um, in the chapel on the campus, and I really, for the first time in my life, realized that I loved Jesus Christ, and He loved me, and um, whatever He wanted me to do, I was ready and willing to go. And so, after being at the college and visiting seminaries and so on, just nothing clicked. Um, I, I, I visited religious communities um, and seminaries, as I said, but I had had such an enriching experience at the college uh, studying um, uh, the liberal arts that I, I wanted more of it. And um, so I decided I was, I was going to stay on at the college for a little longer, and, uh, and, and lo and behold, they asked me if I would help because of my business background with the Student financial aid program, 
Hmm. Uh, and, and I did that for a semester. And then the next semester, I was helping with the food service. And that summer, I had to decide, am I going to pursue this priesthood thing anymore, or am I just going to stay put? And I prayed in Novena to St. Joseph. And on the final day of the Novena to St. Joseph, the president of the college at that time walked up to me in front of the chapel as I was coming out of the chapel, just finishing the Novena, and asked me if I would consider being the executive vice president of the college. <laughs> That's astounding. Um, yeah. That, you know, that just it floored me. Was that, know, and I, and was that I, all the confirmation you needed? <laughs> was that all the confirmation you needed? You had no doubts at that point, right, Jeff? I, nope, I had no doubts. I, I you know, I, I said to him, can I think this over? And he goes, um, how long do you need? And I turned around and I said, no, I think this is what God wants me to do. <laughs> That's amazing. Great powers what, of discernment. Yeah. <laughs> what a blessing, though, to to know, I mean, so with such certitude that this is where God wants you. I mean, there's no doubt that that's great. Um, I wish I had that in my career sometimes, but uh, <laughs> that's a clear answer for sure. And, well, and the thing was that there, I never second guessed it. I, I never doubted it. Um, once I said the yes. Um, and, and because I had had that real encounter with Christ, um, that that it, it was it was it was for certain it it wasn't you know I, I didn't doubt it and you know then the rest is history because my wife graduated from the college the year before and stayed in New Hampshire rather than going back down to Texas and we were just tennis partners um, and tennis partners turned into you know a a, a lasting relationship <laughs> um, now married for thirty four years. Um, and, uh, and so, you know, the real blessing for both of us is that we were able to raise our children in the environment, uh, of the college, uh, which had a thriving liturgical life and a beautiful liturgy and, and, and beautiful choir. And, and so we were able to live, uh, a liturgical life and bring our children up in a liturgical environment um, and as a father of a large family, uh, that has mapped out our life, you know, moving forward, that we take the liturgical calendar seriously. You know, we, we live the holy days and the feast days. Today is the Feast of Guardian Angels. And so, you know, my kids always know, well, Dad's going to tell us what feast day it is today or ask <laughs> us what feast day it is today, um, because we want to live those you know, those feast days. Um, that's, uh, so, yeah, yeah, that's amazing, yeah. Jeff. It's, uh, and Magdalene college, right in New Hampshire. I had never heard of it before. I I'm sorry to say that, but I did maybe tangentially had heard about it, but I didn't really know much about it until uh, I read about you, uh, and that you were the president there and, and you were there then for, uh, and what, what 28 years and what a blessing to be able to bring your, your children up in, in an environment like that. Uh, I assume that that Magdalene College is on the Newman list. If I had to guess, yes, you're correct. It is on the Newman list of the you know the real Catholic colleges, if you will. And um, yes, <laughs> yeah, again, it, it, you know, and it, it, it was such a small school. Uh, how many I students? Wisconsin, how m- just outside of you know Madison, the University of Wisconsin, and I went to a private Catholic school in Madison at Edgewood College um, to study business administration. Um, so, 
it, w- it was a priest friend of mine who recommended the school. And when I first visited, I thought, you got to be kidding me. This is, this is a college, you know, it's only a hundred students. And, you know, at that time it was a small campus in a converted from a converted hotel, if you will. <laughs> um, we, we later built a brand new campus on 130 acres on a beautiful mountainside in New Hampshire. Um, the campus is stunning. Um, but the thing that was most inspiring about the school was the commitment, the level of commitment at which the faculty and all of the students were living the Catholic faith. Mm. And then I encountered the Socratic method of study where you dialogue about all these great thinkers and, and, you know, and, and we also had a program, uh, four-year catechetical program, uh, in which any student who completed the four years of the study of the catechism was awarded an apostolic catechetical diploma, which we were empowered to to give um, from the Vatican in Rome. Wow! Um, so, and and Jeff, yeah, how it, many how many students are at Magdalen today? One hundred and twenty. Okay, so so since you started there. 28 years ago, uh, or 29 years ago, I guess, uh, it, it increased by 20%, huh, from 100 to 120? <laughs> yeah, I mean, and it, well, and it, it goes back and forth. You know, sometimes it drops a little lower, sometimes it goes up, but that was intentional, and that was a science yeah. that we built campus to accommodate. And wow. our goal is because we wanted a thriving Catholic community life that, you know, we didn't know what the, what the magic number was for that, yep, but we yep. built this campus to accommodate 120 students, and um, and, it, and it, it's it's good. I mean, our goal would be that, you know, to prototype it and open up other ones rather than increase the enrollment or make it bigger, basically. Sounds, sounds idyllic. And let's talk a little bit about um, the Institute on Religious Life. So you left Magdalene College. Um, Mm-hmm. After a long period there, and you were, um, you know, appointed the executive director uh, for the Institute on Religious Life, uh, which was founded in 1974 by uh, a Jesuit priest, Father John Harden, uh, who is a servant of God. And, and what exactly does the Institute on Religious Life do? We support and promote religious life throughout the United States and uh, even abroad. Um, we have um, 200 affiliate communities um, throughout the country, and um, really what we do is support them in their apostolates, in their religious communities, in any way that we can. We host a website that features all the communities that are members of the Institute on Religious Life so that they can get the word about themselves out to people. Um, people can thereby go and, and search, uh, you know, if somebody's discerning a vocation, um, you know, but doesn't know, well, what are the Franciscans? Where are the Franciscans? Where are the Four Clares? Where are the Cistercians? Where are the whatever? We're the map that can help them find and, and get to know religious communities. We also help them when they're going through transitions or when they're first getting established or they're going through a transition of leadership or, you know, whatever. Um, we have a national director Father Thomas Nelson, who is just tremendous in providing spiritual direction and guidance for young religious or even religious communities that have existed for a long time, but again, are going through any kind of transition. We offer a um, 
a one-month summer program, which we have, which we host at Christendom College, uh, which allows for religious to come and um, study to earn their master's degree, or just study for the sake of advancing their education. Mm. Um, and again, it's a tremendous, wonderful program because when you have religious from communities from around the country who embrace their vocation so beautifully. When you bring them together, uh, again, it's just one of these incredible, joyful experiences because, you know, when you're with religious people who really embrace their vocation and live it, you know, to the full, it's just this joyful spirit, you know, with them. And because we study together, we pray together, uh, we celebrate Mass together, uh, socialize together, a little bit like our national meeting that we host annually at the seminary in Mundelein. we host three days of talks and, um, again, ongoing education uh, and, and invite the religious community to send representatives. So we'll have anywhere from 200, 250 to 300 re- religious all together um, at, at the campus there at the seminary uh, for a three-day weekend. And, again, you're amongst all these people who have so beautifully embraced their apostolates and their vocations, um, I always say it, it's, it's a little bit like a foretaste of heaven, because you're just with all these saintly mm. people who are Sounds living great. life to the full, <laughs> yeah. you know, uh, with, with Christ at the center. So, Wow, that's uh, tremendous work. And, uh, you know, Jez Ford, my co-host, he was at one point in his life a Franciscan friar of the renewal. So, um, yeah, Oh, sure. I'm, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I'm listening with... Uh, do, 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 did, did you know Father uh, Bob Lombardo? I did. Yeah, Father Bob was one of the founders uh, of the the Franciscans of the Renewal, so he's one of the original uh, seven, I think. And he was there he, he, in, in the Bronx, in the North Bronx, South Bronx, uh, when I was a postulant. So uh, he was instrumental in some of the uh, friars' works with the poorest of the poor in the soup kitchen. Um, and the homeless shelter, particularly the food pantry and the homeless shelter, and has recently been elevated first uh, CFR to become a bishop or a... Correct. Uh, I Correct. don't know what the official he, he title. Ser- he serves on our board yeah. at the Institute of Religious Life, so uh, I, I have the opportunity to interact with Father Bob um, uh, quite frequently, and he started a beautiful community in just outside of Chicago, uh, at, at the invitation of Cardinal Francis George, um, who brought Father Bob um, to Chicago, and their community is thriving, just doing great, beautiful work. Yeah, it's yeah, it's 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 great to hear. It's so bizarre. I mean, I was with the friars for pretty much the bulk of the six years of discernment before final vows. I discerned out six months prior. Really difficult decision at the time. But everything that you're talking about, uh, it, it kind of awakens some of the memories, some of the great memories. And, and the majority of my memories were great. The discernment was simply, uh, was, I, was not, I was called to something else. I was not called to, to live out my life as a re- consecrated religious. But I definitely re- recognize, um, uh, for instance, at the Feast of St. Francis or St. Dominic, the friars, uh, both Dominican and Franciscan, would come together traditionally is what Franciscans and Dominicans do. And even though, and you'll know this much more than uh, most, even though you maybe have a different form of apostolate or ministry and there's a different charism to your lived out consecrated life, 
when consecrated people come together, there is a sense, uh, almost like a heavenly sense of, uh, of family, which uh, can't be replicated. It's, it's, uh, it's a great work that you're doing. And it, it's kind of fresh for me to hear this. So I've, 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 loved, I've loved everything that you've said uh, in terms of um, uh, the religious work. I've, I love the testimony. The best thing that I heard uh, and I can't remember the age exactly, is in front of the Blessed Sacrament, there was a moment where you recognized that you loved Jesus and that Jesus loved you. And I, uh, my mind blows because that's where we all want to be, right? And you obviously still recognize that. So mm. thank you for your, for your fiat. Well, it, again, you know, I, I was born and raised Catholic and, um, you know, in a, Good, solid Catholic family, and but I grew up in the '60s and the '70s, and everything was called into question. And you know, what do you really believe? What you know, so on and the line. So, I never left the practice of the Catholic faith, but I went through a period of, you know, not really knowing it that well. Mm. And when I went back to school as an adult, I mean, in in my early 30s, and studied again the teachings of the Catholic faith and learn them as an adult, um, it, was, it was so invigorating and, and so helpful. And so I, I embraced the faith in a much deeper way and lived the faith in a much deeper way than I ever had before. And really, again, you know, I never really realizing, you know, the personal relationship with with the person of Christ, um, and once I experienced that, there's no turning turning back. Um, you know, I, I want my kids to have that. I want other people to have that. Um, it, it, hey, Jeff. One little sidebar. Jeff, this here. is George. Uh, we this yeah. is George. I'm sorry, we only have about a minute left, um, and I would like to hear your sidebar. Um, but I also would like. You, if you know, to, for young people out there who are discerning uh, a vocation, and even for maybe for some men uh, or women who are listening to our show who have children that are discerning, what what should they do? Should they go to your website, um, Institute on the Institute on Religious Life, and and just start poking around there? Yep, yep. It's religiouslife.com uh, is the website, and we we have. Uh, brotherhood.com and we have cloisteredlife.com which you will find mm. um, on our website so that you can research um, men's communities women's communities cloistered life um, all the all the communities there will have a profile oh that's and awesome it, it can help them learn more about the you know the different vocations within religious life yeah, there's so many different types. Well, Jeff, I'm sorry we're we're running we're just about out of time. So thank you so much for coming on the show today. You are uh, you're a powerhouse. Thank you for your your service. And <laughs> thank you for your yes, Jeff. We yes. really really appreciate it. And remember, guys, religiouslife.com. Go to uh, or was it dot org? Dot. You'll find it. Yeah, you'll, you'll find it. Find it. Uh, and Infidel tomorrow night, 7 p.m. AMC Freehold. God bless. Stay safe.